0: Muddy
1: Knees Media. As the Chairboys take their seat at the EFL's top table, we salute Wickham. And what about Wigan? Crisis schmices. The Latics as great, asshole, are horrible in DW demolition. We'll tell Norwich something about grass and its greenness and generate some clickbait by announcing that Pep, Clotet, has left Birmingham City. This is the Totally Football League Show. Hey gang, Matt Davis Adams here. Hope you're well. I'm here virtually with producer Abby and my two EFL experts. Sam Parkin played for ten EFL clubs and is in the Swindon Town Hall of Fame. Hi Sam, um, you okay, hun? Re Owen Doyle swapping Swindon for Bolton.
2: Ah, oh, well, it's not great, is it? Really upsetting. No. But um, you know, we all always have the memories, and he's a good sixty short of how many I plundered.
1: <laughs> and that is the real quiz. Uh, Adrian Clark swung in perfectly flighted crosses for Arsenal, South End, Stevenage, and more. He's here too. Hello, Adrian. Yeah, hi, Matt. Uh, don't worry, I'll be quizzing the boys on their careers later in the show. But let's get to the football, specifically those wonderful Wanderers.
3: You're listening to the Totally Football League show in association with William Hill.
2: Huge kick from Olsop. Moore let it go. Oh, a collision there between Keeper and Onya Dinma. And that is a penalty to Wickham. Joe Jacobson with a penalty for Wickham. This to put them on the brink of championship football for next season. And they are on the brink of championship football for next season. Tell me what we did,
4: because I I I don't know what we did. Tell me what we just did. Well, you've got yourself a place in the
1: championship. I don't think they heard you in the the back. Tell me me what we did. You've got yourself a place in the championship.
5: Just
2: pull up a chair, boys, and take your seat at the championship table. Congratulations to Gareth Ainsworth and his history makers. Wickham Wanderers are in the Championship!
1: Fairy tales can come true. It can happen to you if you're in any way associated with Wickham Wanderers, who are, for the first time, as we've been hearing, a championship club. A header from Anthony Stewart and a penalty from Joe Jacobson secured a 2-1 win over Oxford United and means that the team who started the season among the favourites for relegation end it with promotion. Sam, you were there just from watching on the TV it had the feel of a fairly momentous occasion. How was it from the stands?
2: Yeah, I, I I didn't think it was a brilliant game. I didn't think the first half was brilliant. It was a little bit flat. I I thought as a as a commentator it was quite hard to get your teeth into, but it's just a remarkable achievement and I feel sorry for Oxford because of I'd put them really on par with Coventry as probably the team I've enjoyed watching the most in in League 1. We've had Carl on the show. I like him. I think he's going to be. I think he is a very good manager, but the achievement is is unbelievable. So I'd be lying if yesterday I wasn't really pleased when I woke up that they've been able to achieve this. I had that short spell there at the the start of my career, and you know I've got a real uh, affection for the club. And you know it wasn't non-league too many years ago, and it had that essence when I was there in the early noughties, and. I think it was David Craig asked Gareth Ainsworth after the game if they're the new crazy gang. Well, there certainly is a bit of that about it. You know, such underdogs. Obviously had nothing of the ball really in that game, but it's just the and we've seen all season churning out results. So, I, I thought it was... A really good game plan. They did it, carried out brilliantly in the first half, but you'd be lying anyone who watched that game at 1-1 if you didn't believe that Oxford were probably going to go on and win that game. You'd be lying because they were out on their feet. The only way they were going to get a goal, in my mind, was if Fenwick could flick one on or Onyedinma could produce something and it came from a mistake and that's exactly what happened. From you know a player in Onyedima, who Clarkie gave us some brilliant stats on last week. I thought I had a really poor game for him, but ultimately his sharpness and his anticipation gets Wickham into the championship, which is just an outstanding story. Adrian, I'm sure we've all seen the stats from from
1: after the game about you know Wickham in terms of possession and, and chances and stuff. But but there's more than one way to win a football match, and that's kind of what they've been proving all season.
4: Of course, yeah, and, and we saw Northampton with a very different style, well, a similar style to Wickham prevail, didn't we, in the in the league two, playoff final. There's no right or wrong way to play the game. You play. To your strengths, don't you? I, I thought Wickham were were far and away the better side in the first half. They imposed their will on Oxford, and and yes, they were clinging on. I mean, Oxford found their legs. I thought after two ring rusty playoff semi finals and a poor first half by their standards, they gradually they came into their own, particularly down the right hand side. I thought with Henry and Sykes causing causing a few problems, but but yeah, ultimately they they probably did did shade it on the day, and I just thought they the outstanding performers were in were in the wickham rearguard, obviously Joe Jacobson came up with the moments that mattered, but Anthony Stewart, I thought it was one of the you know one of the great individual performances at Wembley, so many heroic interventions inside his own penalty box, and he scored scored a crucial goal of course so so yeah he he was a he was a hero. the playoffs I wonder just just they fell in, in Wickham's favour. We know that it was controversial the way that they qualified for them. But but they came up against two footballing sides, didn't they, in Fleetwood and Oxford, that kind of rely on sharp, fluent, attacking football. And after that break, it, it just felt to me, watching those games, that they struggled to, to find a rhythm. And that certainly played into Wickham's hand, who, who they're just less reliant on having the, the same kind of fluency to their play, but look, kudos to them—tremendous performance.
1: Well, last week we spoke to Joe Jacobson, who said corners are the new penalties. Well, on Monday night he nailed both, so it's only right that we speak with him again. Joe, congratulations—you've had a couple of days to to digest it. Now, has it has it sunk in yet?
0: No, not really. It's uh, it's all a bit strange still. I think um, the emotion and the the excitement for for winning the game was was there, and it was apparent and you kind of enjoy it because you know you've done something special on that day. But I think the magnitude of what we've done hasn't quite sunk in yet. And I don't think it will be until, you know, the fixtures are released and you're seeing who you're up against and who you're playing every week where you kind of think, oh, wow, we're in this now and we've got to kind of deal with where we're going to be. But right now, everyone's just kind of just got this weird emotion of just buzzing. really. You haven't stopped smiling and talking to people and just being excited about it.
2: Joe, well done. Um, I'm absolutely chuffed for for you and everyone at the club. It's a a club that I'm really fond of. I'm sure you are too, even though I only spent a, a few months at the club. I just want to ask you a bit about Gareth and that unbelievable spirit that you've got. Sometimes I think when people say that, it's a bit contrived. And having been a player myself, it's difficult to get real unity amongst the group. But knowing David Wheeler, he's told me a little bit about it. I mean, how does Gareth get you all so motivated how does he keep the squad players happy as well? Is he someone that can just keep everyone with a smile on their face? Because I think that's the, the toughest job ultimately for a manager.
0: Yeah. The gaffer will come out himself and say his biggest kind of part of his job is his man management and the, re- the relationships he has with his players. And, you know, it's not it's not rocket science what he wants us to do. He kind of just says, you know, do. he makes everyone's job and everyone's position quite simple, breaks it all down and kind of just says, right, do this for me. And, and I'll be happy and you're going to play. There's never any pressure to, to get promotions, to, to achieve anything. It's just, he he's, he's even said it before the game in a meeting, he said, our job is just to get the best out of you guys and to, to make you guys the best players. And it's just nice having someone who who kind of cares about you as well. He's, he's created this culture I've talked about before, about, you know, this, we've got such an open squad there. Anyone can talk to anyone about anything. And it's there's no kind of pressure about performing you know to get three points on a weekend it's it's about kind of making making you better people and when he gives you that kind of platform to go and play you can do nothing but enjoy playing football and, and wanting to be the best and we do loads of little things around the around the training ground some days we won't even train we'll do things just to kind of they call them development days just to develop us as human beings and, and we get people in who do talks with us and things like that and We've got a, like a culture that I've never experienced in football before. And, and I think the more now people have been talking about it in the press and things, I think a lot more managers and teams are going to adapt this to to their kind of way of, of doing things as well.
4: Yeah, that absolutely stood out, Joe, uh, in terms of the celebrations all, all as one. And um, what I found fascinating as a viewer was, was seeing the, the cajoling from the sidelines with the subs, with the, with the directors. Um, everyone associated with Wickham inside that ground was cheering and whooping and, and coaching from the sidelines. Um, very unusual, but but a masterstroke in my opinion. Did did you take notice of that on the field?
0: I'd like to say it was all my idea, um, <laughs> but um, no, we actually spoke about it before the first Fleetwood game and said, "Look, there's no fans in here, but can we use the subs and the boys not involved and the guys in the stand to kind of create an atmosphere for us?" And we kind of said like every tackle, every header, every shot. Let's cheer it as if you know it's it's the best thing. It's like a goal. And, and as soon as that started, from the first minute um, away at Fleetwood, we had we had it was like we had fans there. It was amazing, and we we made sure that there was sub warming up the whole time, giving encouragement, and it it, it helped us a lot. And the second game against Fleetwood, they definitely took that on board because all of a sudden they had people dotted around the stadium shouting and giving us abuse and. And things going on like that but even at Wembley in this huge arena we could hear the boys up in the stands who were not even close to the bench we could hear them shouting and screaming and, and yeah just giving us encouragement and it and it helps a lot I think if you ask the Oxford players they would have they would have heard it as well and and there wasn't much coming from their kind of side of it but it's because we spoke about it we you know we tried to give ourselves every opportunity and, and use everything we could and I think that was um, a huge you know, like I said masterstroke from the gaffer to kind of get all the boys to, to jump on board and they were so so happy to do that you know they could have been disappointed being on the bench but they were they were our biggest fans that day and it, and it helped us massively
1: so your, your contract was due to expire this summer have you have you had any word on the new one presumably you had to sign a short term extension for the playoffs
0: uh, Yes I've, I've had word yeah yeah <laughs> um, yeah, it's 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 kind of getting sorted out. Um, nothing's been released or anything yet, but um, yeah, I'll. Um, it looks like I'll be staying for uh, for a little while Yeah, That's all I'll say for now. Joe,
2: can you give us a little bit of insight into what those couple of hours after the, the final whistle were, were like? I think as you get a little bit older and more experienced, you can take those moments in. I know when I was a younger player, you pour as many beers down your neck as you can in the the first hour and champagnes gone quick smart. So um, what was that like for you? And I understand you were going to have some kind of celebration back at the training ground as well. How was that?
0: Oh, it was awesome. Like you said, these, these kind of moments never happen. Some people never have these moments in football. They can have their whole career and never go through it. I've been fortunate. That was my fourth promotion. So I've experienced a lot of things, but I've never won, been on the pitch and won a Wembley kind of playoff final. And, and I didn't realise how good it was to do that to have a one-off game of the build up and the emotion and everything that went with it was, was incredible. And like you said, the first thing you want to do is is go and grab a beer in the changing room and, and celebrate with everyone. But there's press to do, there's people trying to drag you here and there and everywhere. And because our families weren't there, it, it was, um it was nice to go and, you know, all the boys start getting their parents and their wives and girlfriends on FaceTime. And I, there's a picture of me, I, I was just sat on the pitch on my own, just FaceTiming my parents, just being like, what have we done? This is, ridiculous and I was giving tours to family of the training rooms. I was yeah, it was going off. I think in the end, Wembley actually, the people there had to kick us out. We were, I think we overstayed our welcome a little bit and they uh they were telling us to kind of right, we've got to clean up and we've got to get ready for whatever's coming next. And um some of the boys didn't even have time to shower after the game. So we went back to the training ground, they're still in their full kit with their medals around their heads and yeah it was good fun like you said we we um first of all we went back to the training ground we had to kind of empty the the kit off the off the coach like we do every game and all the equipment and once we did that the coach took us down to Marlow and there was um a little venue open for us where we just kind of had a few beers and just sat there talking about what we've done and and the magnitude of it and it's nice just having kind of the players and the staff a couple of directors who have been with us all the way to to enjoy it with and and then when they kicked us out, we went back to the stadium and that kind of went on until, well, people started drifting off. There's photos of the boys still uh, on the pitch at, at Wickham, at, you know, five or six in the morning when the sun was out. And um, yeah, I think we honestly we've had the um, the WhatsApp group still going off and the boys today are still in their in their shirts with their medals around their necks. Just, you know, going to the shops and things like that. It's amazing what it does to you. <laughs>
1: That's one. Before we let you go, 2015 and and the pain of that day. I'm guessing what happened on Monday night more than makes up for that for you.
0: Yeah, I've had I've had bad experiences in playoffs. I've been sent off in one. I've missed the final through a loan running out that we won. The the final of 2015 losing on penalties and coming so close was was heartbreaking. And I was desperate this time to kind of um, right a few of those wrongs and if there's ever a time to kind of do it on the biggest stage for me in my career and, and for the club to make history, yeah, it kind of it makes all the, those other uh, things that have gone on to me, you know, just go away completely. And, um, yeah, I'm just so thankful that I've been able to experience something like that in football. Like I said before, people don't get to experience these things and, and to go through it with your mates and people that you've been kind of grafting with for so long. It would be nice to have the families there and stuff, but they're all watching at home, having their own little parties, and, and to do it is, is so special for those guys as well. who have sacrificed so much for us. Look, I'm just yeah, still buzzing that it's all happened, and yeah, going to enjoy the next few weeks for sure. Joe Jacobson there.
1: As for Oxford, uh, Clarkey, Carl Robinson concerned that his team are going to be picked apart. Do do you think that's likely? We might see some of them in the Championship next season regardless.
4: Well, they've already lost a couple, haven't they? Um, Rob Dickey, I think, has has been a very influential player. He he was good across the playoffs, I felt, and came close to scoring, didn't he, a couple of times at Wembley. He's someone that I imagine will be on the radar of Championship clubs. I mean, in, in in terms of some of their other star men, they then they're not that young anymore, so so maybe they'll be able to hold on to on to a few of them. we we'll have to wait and see. It was look, they're a fantastic team, Oxford. They just just couldn't get up to speed quickly enough to prevail in, in, in the short, sharp playoff format. I think it's it's almost as simple as that. It's it, the fact that we had the pandemic halted their their momentum and and they just couldn't quite pick it up in time. But yeah, look, they'll have regrets. They didn't didn't bring their A game to the table in the final. But um, but yeah, they'll come again. I, I'd imagine even if they do lose one or two, they'll still they'll still be up there next season, challenging for promotion again.
1: Do you agree with that, Sam? We have seen there can be a bit of a hangover from teams beaten in the playoff final the following season,
2: so they'll have to shake that as quickly as they can. I think it's going to be tough for them. I think Brannigan will be a big miss as well if if he goes. I think he really makes them tick. And I think he his position in the second half, actually, just the, the two attacking midfield players really pushed on uh, and meant that Wickham retreated. Um, so, yeah, him along with Dickey will be a blow. I'm not sure if there won't be some some clubs that may have a look at Kyle Robinson again as well. So that will be interesting. And, and next year, League One is going to be so challenging. Uh, Swindon, Plymouth, Crewe, you would imagine all those clubs will consolidate uh, at least. And then you look at Ipswich, Sunderland, Portsmouth, um, that's just off the top of my head. There's some huge clubs at that level that have probably not done themselves justice over the last 12 months. And with the pre-season new recruits, I think it will be tough for, for Oxford to emulate what they've done this year. Yeah, it might be another playoff campaign or it might be a bit of a rebuild for Carl or a new manager.
1: Uh, while we're here talking teams in the playoffs bit of news which broke on Tuesday, John McGreal's been sacked by Colchester after four years in charge that despite leading the use to both the League Cup quarterfinals and the playoffs, uh, whilst in League one, better news, AFC Wimbledon have secured a four million pound loan that will ensure they can complete the construction of their new stadium at Plow Lane. Okay, League one and League two it's been quite the season thanks for that. now the championship takes center stage.
3: This is the Totally Football League show with Matt Davis-Adams. Listen to it, totally ad-free, on The Athletic.
1: Uh, before we chat, Champo, let's insert our new weekly quiz into its new slot. If you've missed the last few shows, I asked Sam and Adrian questions about their careers. They complain about the questions and then Clarkie wins. Uh, Adrian, as you're 2-0, you <laughs> get the uh, get the right to go first again. <laughs> Here's your question this week. Uh, Adrian, your first appearance of the 95 96 season for Arsenal came against Southampton in December of 1995. Playing for the Saints that day was one of Sam's old gaffers. Can you name that manager?
4: Sam's old gaffers. Can I still. Let's give Adrian
1: (laughs) a couple more seconds.
4: Um, Oh, man. No, I, I can't remember. I can't remember um, too many of the Saints players. I remember Letizier was on the side, but um, and, and Francis Benali. But I'm pretty sure neither of those have managed managed Sam. So no, I'm going to I'm going to have to pass on this one. I'm afraid for the steel parking.
2: Paul Tisdale.
1: <laughs> I was going for Jim McJoon. Was it Jim? Yeah.
4: You, just, you can't even get those right, Sam, can you? It's That's just embarrassing. embarrassing. Well, look, let's see if you do any better with your own oh, posture, no,
1: Sam. Uh, this should be an easy one, OK? You get your first points on the board here, I hope. How many goals did you score whilst on loan at Oldham between March and May 2001?
2: Considering I remember every single goal I scored, that would be three.
1: Yeah, it is. Uh, You can have an imaginary bonus point if you can tell me when the goals came.
2: I can tell you who they're against. Yeah. Two away at
1: Swansea and one at home to Stoke. Correct. A 2-1 win and a 2-1 defeat. Well, that's made that interesting for next week. Um, Enough frivolities, though, to the Championship. Uh, Championship headlines, Wigan. That's the headline. Uh, The subtext being, what do you do when every goal and every point could be crucial in your battle for survival? You beat a fellow basement battler 8-0. 8. Ocho. Huit. Act. Elsewhere in the bid to beat the drop, Luton were held to a 1-1 draw by QPR and Borough beat Reading. Whilst at the top, West Brom edge closer to an automatic promotion place with a goalless draw with Fulham. Cardiff all but ended Derby's hopes of playoff fun, whilst Millwall are on the march after their win against Blackburn. Put them on the fringes of the top six. The EFL have provided the following update: Read the transfer window. A statement reads: "Subject to formal ratification, the transfer window will open fully on Monday, the 27th of July. The window for international registrations closes at 11pm on Monday, the 5th of October. With an agreement in place with the Premier League for an extended two-week domestic-only window, which will close at 5pm on Friday, the 16th of October. Meanwhile, Calvin Phillips won't be making any more appearances for Leeds this season. He's got a knee knock." And off the pitch, Pep and City have mutually agreed to leave each other's company. That's Clotet and Birmingham, to be clear. To Tuesday night's fixtures, and there's only one place to start. Better get in line. Five, six, seven, eight.
2: And it's a wonderful finish. An eighth goal for Wigan. And that's the best of them all. It's a hat-trick for Kieran Dow.
1: Wigan 8, Hull City nil. As of Wednesday morning, Wigan 12 points above the relegation zone, having equaled the biggest win in championship history. As for Hull, remember when they banned the local paper for being too negative? Uh, let's talk about Wigan, though, Adrian. I mean, they're amazing, aren't they? 12 points clear as we record. 10 clean sheets in 11. I sort of had them down to win this game, but not be 7-0 up by half time.
4: Well, if, if Wigan were in playoff contention right now. You'd probably put them and, and Brentford as, as almost nailed on to South through to or Embley Showpiece. They're playing that well at the moment, we're getting so solid as you rightly say, defensively. And in this game everything clicked, didn't it, going forward? Real pace, energy going forward. None of the goals were well, one strike from outside the box was it was it was a phenomenal hit. But most of them were were just good pieces of of team play inside the final third, you know, get, getting into good areas, delivering quality into the box and finishing it with a plum. I thought it was outstanding. Obviously, Dow's hat trick was, was brilliant, but so too, Jamal Lowe got a hat trick of assists. Byrne from right back gets a hat trick of assists. Special individual performances. But I think it's the, the speed of their play and the relentlessness of their of their appetite to go out and, and destroy Hull City that, that spoke volumes really for for what Paul Cook has got going there at Wigan. So so no, yeah, good luck to them and, and look, it's 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 there's a possibility now. I'd say almost a strong possibility that they can take twelve points off them and they'll still survive and, and that would be you know, that would be a big relief and, and much deserved to those in the dressing room. Sam, we spoke last week about your
1: experience of playing for a club in administration. The mentality of these Wigan players is, is pretty phenomenal, isn't it?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they're doing, doing brilliantly. Um, I think they were written off probably before Christmas and um, went on a, a brilliant run. Uh, and obviously they, they've started like a house on fire since um, the, the the restart. But in all departments, there's no point in, in, in listing the players. I think in every area of the pitch, they're at the top of the game at the moment. Um, you have to say that watching the goals back in the highlights this morning, the defending was so passive for, from Hull City. You know, balls going into the box, feeble attempts at winning headers and not staying with runners. But I mean, that goes without saying when you, you're defeated 8-0, when you're 7-0 down at half time. So they've given themselves a great opportunity, but nothing's decided yet. The, the games at the weekend are mouthwatering in terms of Wigan at Charlton and obviously... Hull taking on Luton so it's done them the world of good especially the goal difference I think they were the second lowest scorers in the league prior to that last night so showed you that yes they clearly played wonderfully well but still a little bit of a freak result against the side that are very much down in the doldrums but um yeah don't take anything away from Wigan Paul Cook's done a magnificent job yeah Hull not so good 50
1: goals conceded in 2020 uh, for them, West Brom nil, Fulham nil. Clarke, if if Albion win their last two at Huddersfield and home to to QPR, they go up automatically. Would you expect them to do that?
4: Oh um, no. no, having seen them several times of late, I've not been overly impressed with them. Um, playing a little bit with the handbrake on, I don't think that they're creating enough quality chances. They're putting balls into the box. But 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 the quality of those final balls hasn't been on the money. Charlie Austin, very quiet last night. I, no, I wouldn't bank on them. Certainly Huddersfield away. Um, you know, Huddersfield are not exactly flying at the moment, but got plenty of motivation to upset the odds. And, and QPR, actually, I think QPR with nothing to, to play for are actually more dangerous than a QPR that might be under pressure. And I say that because they've got such free and easy players in forward areas. They can just, you know, as a chair, the likes, you know, bright Samuel, these, these, these young players could just literally go out there and have fun and express themselves with, with nothing to lose. And I think that might might make them dangerous opposition, albeit if, if their defense can hold out at the other end, of course, which, which is easier said than done. So no, I I don't think West Brom are playing well enough to guarantee six points here. Um, I was disappointed with Fulham, by the way. I think, I was looking at it, I was just the longer the second half went, went on, I was thinking, they'll, they'll show some urgency in a minute. They'll, they'll, they'll change things and, and, and we'll see a bit of ambition. Surely they'll throw caution to the wind. This is a game where, where a victory can, can turn things around for them. And, and there was none of it. It was, it was just sort of one paced all the way to the final whistle, which if I was a Fulham fan w- would have annoyed me.
1: Uh, Yeah, Fulham now requiring snookers really to go automatically. Uh, At the bottom, big win for Middlesbrough. They beat Reading 2-1 at the Madstad. Meanwhile, Sam, you were in Wales for Cardiff's win against Derby. Big one for Neil Harris' team. Probably the end of Derby's playoff hopes. Uh, What what were your takeaways from the match? Some pretty lamentable defending from the visitors from uh, the highlights I saw.
2: Yeah, individual mistakes for Derby once more. It's been a feature of the season. Obviously, Ben Hamer, the goalkeeper, in the last match against uh, Brentford. uh, And last night, uh, two really poor mistakes. uh, Night with the first one, and obviously Wayne Rooney dispossessed for for Lee Tomlin's winner. So that's what they'll look back on, I think, as being their Achilles heel. Obviously, things going on on off the pitch. uh, Maybe a bit of a lack of a consistent striker, but I think individual errors is is probably what's cost Derby. Um, what I am seeing, if I touch on them first, is a team that are picking up Philip Cocu's methods and I think given time and with some new signings, this could actually prove to be a decent appointment. I've seen the improvement in their play for a, a period last night in the first half. They kept the ball for... For what seemed an age, um, Sibley looks like an absolutely brilliant young player. Just receives the ball on the half turn, always wanting to attack defenders. Two footy, can go past people. Um, they just lacked someone maybe to get beyond Chris Martin. A bit of a lack of pace. Pace, um, it's pace, know, so- Sam, isn't it?
4: That, that is the, the the absolute striking deficiency in that team. Is is they can't stretch teams.
2: Yeah, and, and and when they were chasing the game 2-1 down, he, he brought Marriott on to partner Martin and, and played Josephson wide on the left-hand side, Tom Lawrence as a number 10, and didn't play anyone on the right-hand side. Just allowed Bogle, who was a, a substitute, to hopefully... Bomb up and down that side, uh, and that was the tactic. But it didn't work at all because Mendes Lang is in such good form at the moment that he just pushed Bogle back in the last twenty minutes. So it finished without the the urgency you'd expect with so much on the game. And and Cardiff really impressed me last night. You know, I went into the game after seeing them at Fulham and thinking they'd be robust and direct and utilise the young long throws and the and the corners. But they were anything but. And I think that was because Derby. Gave them a bit too much respect and, and Cardiff actually were encouraged by that and played a bit more than I've seen them of recent times and Marlon Pack got on the ball and, and Tomlin was the the sprinkling of gold dust that he's been so often in his career. Those two players were, were the difference last night for Cardiff and really in the box seat now in terms of that, that final promotion, uh, that final playoff position.
1: Also on Tuesday, one-one between Luton and QPR at Kenilworth Road. We'll talk more about that match later. Uh, Sheffield Wednesday nil at Huddersfield nil. Wonder if that away point will be good enough for Cowley and Kotov. Last two for them against Millwall. And West Brom. And speaking of Millwall, they beat Blackburn by a goal to nil at the Den. They've got QPR away and Huddersfield at home. Cardiff, who they are one of the teams vying with for sixth place, have Middlesbrough away and Hull at home. At the moment, Adrian, it's tough to say this on on Wednesday lunchtime when there's games on Wednesday and Thursday, but I'm going to make you pick anyway. Who's your Who's your <laughs> choice for for sixth place?
4: Yeah, I, I think Cardiff will, will do it. Because they have Hull on the final day of the season, and 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 hand on heart, I think Middlesbrough. Although they got a good result up at Reading, Middlesbrough, Middlesbrough's home form is not is not great, and I could I could see Cardiff picking something up there, maybe enough to to get over the line. But look, credit Mill. I mean, they have kept their their chase going longer than I thought they would, and and Gary Rowett, the organisation of his team, the way that he can stifle talented opponents we saw it recently with, with Swansea um, for, for a period of that game where he, he completely negated their, their their talented forward players and Blackburn last night a team that okay they're a bit hit and miss but they've got quality going forward they, they barely had a sniff of, of goal at, at Millwall and a, a lot of that is the way that Rowett plans and the way that he sets his team up so yeah he's He's given Millwall fans something, something to believe in. I just, I just think Cardiff will, will scrape over, and and I also think Cardiff the way that they're playing under Neil Harris. Of course, Harris potentially can can deny his former club that that last berth. I just think Cardiff are playing a good blend of football. They've, they've retained a lot of the qualities they had under Warnock, but added more football. And uh, yeah, I, th- I think that they're they're quite an all round side at the moment. You agreeing with that, Sam? It's going to be Cardiff for sixth.
2: Just about, yeah. I, I thought a I fortnight ago that Cardiff and Mill had the best fixtures uh, and that's how it's played out. But obviously Swansea and, and Bristol City play tonight. Bristol City have somehow got themselves two results. So you can't discount them or, or, or Preston at this point. But yeah, I just think with Middlesbrough pretty much safe after last night, Cardiff City probably need a point there and they'll be confident that they can beat Hull City at home on the final day.
1: As we say, games on Wednesday
2: and Thursday
1: of this week. Once they're done, there are but two rounds to go. We'll look ahead to the final fixtures next.
3: On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker and now ad-free on The Athletic, this is the Totally Football League show with Matt Davis-Adams.
1: Before we get to the weekend, let's talk Luton Town and what their chances of survival are with someone who knows a lot more about them than we do. She's a woman of many hats and a fan of the Hatters. It's Talk Sports and Sky Sports, Faker others?
3: Faye, it's been a bit of a tough year in the Championship for Luton. How, how have you found it as a supporter? Stressful. <laughs>
5: Very stressful. But yeah, to be honest... We weren't really expecting to do anything amazing this season. We thought, if we can finish mid-table, that would be great. And that's how we thought it was going to pan out. And then we just had such a poor run of results. And, you know, it ultimately didn't work out with Graham Jones at, at the helm. I feel like we've got a bit of impetus back again with NJ with back. Um, so, you know, two games to salvage things.
3: It was a bit of a familiar story, though, on Tuesday against QPR 1-1, failing to
5: hold on to a lead. Do you think that's going to be costly? Uh yeah I mean we, we've made a lot of costly mistakes this season defensively we've not been good enough and um, you know we we have let in a lot of late goals it's it's incredibly frustrating however it's something that we're going to learn and it's something to be expected in in this league it's not you know we we had that problem at times in league one as well um I don't know what it is about the players switching off um, but certainly that's something that we're going to have to we're going to have to work on and we cannot afford to do that in the last two games this is now
3: crucial the first of those last two games is a uh, big one up against Hull City next uh 3-0 in the reverse to Hull but judging by Tuesday night's performance from Hull you're probably
5: feeling a little bit more confident oh do you know what I'm not though that's the no. worst thing so I'm I I am A a positive person, you know I am most definitely an optimist, not a pessimist. However, I could really have done without Wigan doing exactly that because you (laughs) tend to get a response back, don't you? I was trying to think uh, what Southampton's response was to that 9-0 defeat to Leicester and I think they lost their next two games and then rallied. So I'm hoping that that's the case. I also, nerfed offence to Grant because I really like the guy, but you know, I was, I was hoping they weren't going to sack him as well because I don't want a kind of new manager, assistant manager bounce that teams tend to get either. I don't know if it's a good or bad time to face them. I would say, and I feel really harsh saying this, if we cannot beat Hull, having watched them capitulate against Wigan, then we don't deserve to stay up. But mm. I really think we'll beat them. Go on then, head versus heart. Where
3: are Luton finishing? Uh, just above the relegation zone. We're going to do it.
1: Faker, others, Hatter and Reporter there. For the weekend then, the penultimate round, the round that could see so much decided, the round that we've all been waiting for, the last weekend round of the Championship season, 2019-20. Phew. Uh, let's have a look at some of the games then. We'll, we'll start at the top. Adrian, you've got an eye on, on Derby versus Leeds, uh, a, a game which could have been a massive one, but but it might all be sewn up by this point.
4: It could be, yeah. But but if it isn't, then, then I would anticipate Leeds sewing up in this in this fixture and I just think it's it's kind of there's a little bit of irony there, isn't there, that cast your mind back a year with Lampard and Spygate and and, and everything that went on those the way that Derby came back in that playoff semi final to kill Leeds United's promotion dreams. You know, how much has changed? You know, no Lampard he's at Chelsea, Derby Re rebuilding with, with with younger players of their own this time rather than than low knees. And, and Bielsa the constant still still doing the same things that he did last year and 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 improving I have to say and uh, yeah I just think that this is the match that they'll probably seal it with Hernandez turned into a super sub we know how superstitious. Bielsa can be and and it's just worked lately, hasn't it? With having Hernandez on the bench and then bringing him on usually at halftime to to come on and make the difference. So yeah, it's uh yeah I've, I've been impressed. I think I think they've played some good football, fast football. They look super fit, the Leeds United players and and uh, yeah, providing they don't slip up a, a, against Barnsley in the match at, uh, on Thursday night, then then yeah, I, I can see them sealing the deal at, at Derby. Should should be a good one.
1: Sam, Swansea versus Bristol City, um, a big game whenever it's played, given the, the hostilities between the between the two clubs and their supporters. But, but this one could be a massive one, depending on how Swansea get on at Forest on Wednesday. They, they've still got a chance of making it into the playoffs too.
2: Yeah, and, and Bristol City against Stoke tonight. So um, a lot depends on that, but it probably looks like it's going to be win or bust uh, for both of those two teams come the weekend. Both teams changing their shape in in, in recent games and and weeks. Swansea, I thought, were pretty good against Leeds, um, closed them down, high-intensity pressing from Brewster and and IU in particular. Defensively as well, Gerhi, after a bit of a a horrible start to life at at Swansea, seems to have rediscovered the the form and showing the, the player that we know he can be, Matt, from watching him uh, at Chelsea for all these years, but um, I suppose the story here is is Bristol City and Lee Johnson leaving his position, uh, Dean Holden taking over temporarily and getting two wins from two, and just simplifying things again. It's a, a three-five-two, but Viman and Patterson playing as number eights, I think, has been a masterstroke. You know, Corey Smith can can anchor that midfield, allowing those two to go and be really creative, uh, and um, they're looking very good attack-wise. Naki Wells as well uh, amongst the goals in the last few games. And I just think that they're, they're looking better in this shape. He's brought Benkovic back in defensively. So it's been a really good start to life for for, for Dean Holden. And um, I'm sure the supporters are, are pleased. It may be too little too late, but it should be a really free-flowing, attack-minded game with what's at stake. You'd expect goals. Adrian, you've also been looking at, at Preston.
1: Against Birmingham, Preston maybe long shots for the for the playoffs now, but but for Birmingham, this is this is all getting a bit messy, isn't it? Managers <laughs> yeah. left; they're, they're not a million miles away from from the bottom three
4: themselves. Well, it's all been a bit shambolic, let's be honest. Uh, St Andrews, huge game by the way um, before the weekend. Birmingham entertaining Charlton now. Lee Bowie, a former Blues player, of course, touted with the job. You know, he's one of those names linked with with replacing Clatette. So that would be a fascinating. Match, I actually, you know, look the way the teams are playing. you would probably fancy Charlton to to nick something there, which would would make it even bigger for Birmingham at Preston. Um, yeah, just it's just been a mess, hasn't it? Obviously, with Clotet announcing he was leaving at the end of the season, and then getting sacked because because of poor results, winless in eleven, failed to score by the way in four of their last five away games. Hogan just hasn't got going at all since the restart so, so that's an issue but yeah I just I, I just looked at it and with the two caretakers it was it couldn't have been a worse start for them Steve Spooner and Craig Gardner so you take the reins from, from Pep Guardiola, you go to Stoke who have just been battered by Leeds and you change the system you go to three at the back you chuck in a kid Nico Gordon as part of that back three you put you put Wes Harding at left wing back which had an alien it feels like an alien position in my view you you drop Crowley and and Bella 12 assists between them and you get beaten 2-0 and it's a miserable miserable performance and 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 also one thing that stood out for me was with the changes during that game three three pretty much untried youngsters came on ahead of ahead of more experienced names so so it was just really weird and and I, as 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 caretaker gaffers and I don't want you know say that they they're out of their depth, but Steve Spooner and Craig Garner did not have a good debut um so I'm fascinated to see what their response will be against charlton and and ultimately in this game at Preston and Preston have seemed like they've stopped the rots and they've got players that were out of the side in form there's a bit more competition for places now, so I think Preston are, are at it. And Birmingham aren't so. So they're in, they're in big big trouble. I think Birmingham, and potentially it could get worse if, if the EFL dish out punishment as well.
1: Yeah, we'll wait and see on that one. Uh, briefly, Sam on Huddersfield v West Brom. We, we've spoken about West Brom, Huddersfield no wins in eight, but but always obdurate. You can see this one being ground out to to a nil nil one one draw kind of thing, maybe.
2: Yeah, absolutely, Matt. I mean, if you we cast some minds back. Uh, I think Danny Cowley's first game was at West Brom for Huddersfield. They they lost 4-2 on that day. It's not going to be like that. Um, I've got the commentator's stat for you, Matt, because I know you like doing this. Mm. Um, they haven't scored for four games in a bit, I've written down. 379 minutes. Why do commentators always do that? Uh, <laughs> 300, 379 minutes since they last scored Huddersfield and, and Clarkie touched on West Brom earlier. Uh, yeah, a little bit limp in a, an attack, a lack of threat. Robson Carney doesn't look like he's going to get a goal. Charlie Austin, a little bit on his heels, I felt, against Fulham, not making those darting runs in, in the box. So, yeah, it, it's going to be really tight. They're devoid of attacking intent, Huddersfield. They've not scored from open play in, in one of the last eight games. They've only scored from open play, sorry, in one of the last eight games. So that just shows you exactly where they're at. I would suggest it'll be 0-0 or West Brom will get that goal, probably through Pereira or <laughs> Diangana, who are their two best chances of goals uh, and get the job done but it's probably going to be a hard watch uh, and Danny Cowley you know needs probably to show some improved performances before the end of the season because I don't think the support has seen one over at the moment
1: uh, in terms of the final round of games, they all kick off at 7.30pm UK time. That's on Wednesday next week, the 22nd of July. It means we'll be dropping next week's show a little later than usual so we can reflect on those final games. Uh, there are plenty of standout fixtures, lots of them involving teams trying to stay up like Adrian. Cardiff against Hull. At this stage, given what's happened, but before they play Luton, is it difficult to make a, a case for Hull staying up?
4: Yeah, I I just don't see it. No, I think, I think Luton have got got something going under Nathan Jones. They were they were slightly fortunate by all accounts to, to cling on for a draw against QPR. So so that is that is a slight concern but 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 the morale at Hull City looks so low and the body language of the players that I, I did notice it and then they are getting no favours by the way from the local media. I I couldn't resist looking at the Hull Daily Mail's player ratings from the 8-0 <laughs> Demolition weekend, <laughs> and they tagged it as their lowest ever in the history of the newspaper ratings. Um, it, basically, all of the players got between a two and a four out of ten. So, um, so yeah, morale will be will be low. I, I can see Cardiff, especially under Neil Harris, is a good motivational manager. I can see him being pretty ruthless, and and, and Cardiff swatting swatting the Tigers aside, and I think Hull. Hull will go down. Who goes down with them? Well, wow. <laughs> I mean, who knows at this stage? So much can change between now and our next podcast on the pitch. But also, let's be honest, off the pitch as well, if the EFL pull their finger out and, and decide on, on, on what they're going to do sanction-wise. Yeah, that could change everything.
1: I'm just looking at these these final fixtures, Sam. Leeds v Charlton is, is one that um, that stands out. You've obviously got Charlton connections, mates with mates with Johnny Jackson, Lee Bowie is number two. I just wonder if they'll be hoping that Leeds get promotion wrapped up ASAP because it becomes a completely different prospect going to Ellen Road when maybe the Leeds players have, have been out the night before or a couple of days before as it is to, to playing them when they are desperate for
2: the points. Yeah, they'll be hoping they take lead of how uh, the Liverpool lads enjoyed themselves, conducted <laughs> themselves and then got smashed at Manchester City in the, the subsequent game so yeah there could be something in that but you know obviously a lot hinges on the next couple of games for, for Charlton I believe that Barnsley are probably gone given the fixtures Leeds, Forest and, and Brentford obviously to come I think it's going to be difficult for Hull City off the back of that result last night and when you consider the fixtures and you know, looking at what Wigan have got left, I, I think the, the final side is probably going to go down on goal difference. So I'm talking one of Luton, Charlton or Wigan. And as it stands, Luton have got a lot of work to do in that regard. So unfortunately, if you were putting me on the spot, they're probably the three I would go for with Wigan and Charlton just escaping by the skin of their teeth. Yeah, Wigan hosting Fulham
1: last day. We've spoken a fair bit about about both those two. Mm. I just wonder, Adrian, with Fulham, are they going to be in good enough form to get through the playoffs? Does that even matter? It feels like they're really up and down kind of team.
4: Well, they're not in disastrous form. They're they're just not they're not playing to their potential in my in my opinion. They're they're relatively tight at the back. They're not they're not leaking goals, but they're not scoring very many goals, are they? And you just look at their team and you you expect more and. Tactically, I'll go back to it. I expect a bit more from Scott Parker. There's no gear change. I want to see a bit more, a bit more uh, aggression, determination at times. Maybe I mean they went slightly more direct. I noticed against West Brom, but but very few counter attacks. They're not great on the transition. It's just all a bit samey for me with, with Fulham, um, who, who possibly I suppose if it, if it's looking. Like they'll be in one of those middle middle teams in the playoffs. That might end up with with Nottingham Forest, and and I, I could see those two those two legs if if they occur being quite cagey, tactical, low scoring affairs. So so yeah, we'll we'll have to wait and see. If West Brom blow it, by the way, and Brentford with Barnsley on the last day could put Barnsley down, could could nick that second that second spot. If West Brom end up in the playoffs, you just wonder whether they'll you know, how their morale will, will be because I think mentally they'll, they'll be on their knees. Slavon Bilic will have to do a sensational job of, of lifting them to go again in in the playoffs. So, um, so yeah, I, I would suggest that the playoffs will be wide open.
1: Yeah, it's going to be a fascinating couple of rounds of games and we're going to have plenty to talk about on next week's show. Right, Abby, give us some odds on the championship per William Hill's prices at the time of recording. Who are the outright favourites to win the league?
3: Well, it'll be no surprise to hear that Leeds are one to fourteen to win the whole league. Uh, West Brom ten to one, and if you have, I mean, why would you? Brentford twenty-five to one.
1: How about to make the top six? I see, Forrester are all but nailed on. What about some of the outsiders?
3: All but nailed on. We're looking at Cardiff and Millwall. Um, Cardiff are two to five to make the top six. Millwall five to one, but f- further in than uh, than Millwall are Swansea. We haven't mentioned them as being outside as a potential. Top top sixes but they according to William Hill are four to one and Matt you'll be glad to hear that having been five to one last week Derby are now 150 to one
1: I speak for all of us when I say. <laughs> um, how about the odds for promotion? Wow, Leeds one to five hundred. I see. Is there, is there anybody that might be a bit better value?
3: I mean, it's all it's all pretty much nailed on according to William Hill because Leeds, West Brom, and Brentford are all odds on to be promoted. So, if you wanted Nottingham Forest as your outside bet, that's eleven to two. Fulham two to one. Cardiff nine to one. Swansea twenty five to one. Um, there are no odds, I must say, on relegation because, as we have mentioned literally anything could happen between now and the end there's a lot of points deductions that we are expecting so no odds on william hill on relegation
1: thanks abby right that's just about it for this week's show before we go though let's talk drubbings i want to know the biggest win at two former ballers played in and and how did you celebrate sam i'm imagining a big win is only a big win for a striker if you're on the score sheet
2: yeah yeah pretty much i can't recall anything above six i remember beating knots county five nil with swindon and beating south end six nil uh during my three years but i can't think of anything higher than that i'm afraid Will that do? You,
1: it, in terms of your, your celebrations i guess like a five nil against knots county on a random game you're not going to go mad about that like you, you would do a one nil against oxford are you so does it does it make that much of a difference to you how much you win by or is it is it just kind of making you feel good and, and bragging rights
2: yeah yeah I, I think so Um obviously you'd have a good feeling within the, the the squad and at the training ground the following week but it doesn't I don't think alter your plans that evening or over the course of the weekend that said it probably meant that I would have gone out in Swindon that evening uh, the lads used to obviously try and persuade me because I was still living at home at, uh, at that time with my mum's but um it would normally mean a little trip to uh, one of those vast Tesco's where I'd uh, spend 20 quid on an outfit, and much to everyone's, amu- much to everyone's amusement, and then uh, go out and uh, and enjoy the bright lights of Swindon. So that's what we'd normally do, go and get the beers and the pizza and I'd get a enough pair of jeans and a pair of trainers and a bit of knitwear all for under a score. Clark, did you used to
1: celebrate big wins by buying supermarket
4: clothes? <laughs> I can't quite get my head around that um no no I really didn't there weren't that many big wins to be perfectly honest I'm really having to rack rack my brain certainly not 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 during my my EFL career a few few fives and sixes for for Stevenage Arsenal I mean we 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 racked up a few six sixes in in pre-season friendlies but I don't know I think the bigger the win the the less likely I'd have been to celebrate because it's one of those where you sort of like it's it, it's not that exciting, is it? It's it's a little bit like, well yeah we won, but it was a pretty easy game. Let's let's move on. I don't I don't think players in general go overboard if you if you tonk someone. It's more it's more like the unexpected victories that, that, that you like to like to celebrate. I remember I remember one game at Plymouth. I think we went there and won three two. Obviously it's a beast of a journey. I was playing for End and and I think it was Alvin Martin was the manager, and he sanctioned the supermarket stop off. Sam will know about these, where you can sort of basically just load up on on crates of of booze. And the time we got to to Roots Hall, um, players were were yeah f- f- falling off the coach. <laughs> it was it was quite <laughs> quite disturbing, but it was it was a cracking journey. The journey went much faster than it normally does when you play Plymouth away.
1: good stuff
4: Um, next time we meet the championship season will be over and we'll be with
1: you on Thursday that's the 23rd of July to review it all oh and then we'll look ahead to the playoffs because it's not over not over not over yet bye for now
3: you've been listening to the Totally Football League show a Muddy Knees Media production for sales and advertising please email sales at muddykneesmedia.com keep up to date with everything across our Totally Football Network at the Totally Show on Twitter and Insta, and be sure to check out our website, thetotallyfootballshow.com.
5: Muddy News Media